Hi there. Welcome to Lake Ridge Community Church Podcast. Uh, this is a place where we get to share uh, some of our messages from Sunday mornings. Uh, we're glad that you're here to listen, but we'd also love to have you in person. So if you'd like to pop in some Sunday, we meet at 1030 at Our Lady of Wisdom School here in Chestermere. And uh, you can obviously check us out as well at uh, www.lakeridgecommunity.com. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, Lake Ridge, and welcome to our time together this morning. Hey, we are beginning a brand new sermon series called The Curious Happiness of Jesus. What what an interesting sermon series, and I hope that it piques your attention uh, because we're going to be exploring something that that I think is is super core to our faith. We're going to be talking about the Beatitudes. These are these eight phrases of Jesus that are at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. We'll get into all of that this this morning, but uh, we are going to be going on a journey for the next eight weeks to take a look at each of these phrases and the way that Jesus seems to turn things upside down. Isn't this something that we've been talking about, that Jesus has a way of turning uh, what we think is true and uh, oftentimes broken and hurtful in our world, and he flips upside down and the kingdom of God and the words of Jesus uh, approach that in a way that's often surprising and deeply transformative. And so we're going to take a look at that this morning. What is it to talk about happiness? Um, happiness is an interesting thing to talk about, isn't it? And we're going to be talking about the curious happiness of Jesus. I, it's, it's a bit of a mystery the way that we've phrased it, but we're going to go on a journey together. But what is happiness? Uh, a couple years ago, um, I, Kelly and I sat down and we said, what really makes us happy? Not not what we think makes us happy, but, and we went back and forth and talked about what we actually thought really truly would make us happy. And we had a, just a really fun list. It was probably the best list that we did. And we kind of did it as let's, let's do these things this summer. It was, it was hiking together, going to the pool. But some of the things I listed on there were like, I like barbecuing. I like just putting some meat on the barbecue. I'm very bad at it. Uh, usually I burn things that, and it doesn't often taste good in the end, but I love just the process of smoking some meat on the barbecue. I love that and a hammock and setting the sprinkler up for my kids to run through it. That that together makes me happy. Maybe you have something like that that also makes you really, really happy. It's, it's good to write those down. And I was, I think, a little bit surprised that that was uh, on my list. Meat a hammock and sprinklers. That, I think, makes me really, really happy. There's something called the Happiness Research Institute in Denmark, and they've been working on exploring what happiness is, kind of from a scientific perspective, and they're trying to measure it and and discover where it comes from, what it's about. We often measure things like depression and loneliness and sadness, uh, and they wanted to figure out... In the same way, those things are really complex. There's a lot going on inside of us when we deal with some hard things inside. There's also a lot going on when we deal with happiness. It isn't just as easy as puppies and ice cream. Uh, We think that those things make us happy, and they might have a role to play, but there's so much more dynamic stuff going on than that. Uh, It is life satisfaction. It's mood. It's our sense of purpose and meaning, and it's what we might call the good life. There's a lot going on. God made us in a really special way. So it's true. Happiness is more than we can just consume. It's more uh, than just what our appetites are craving. But it's what we appreciate in this life. Uh, Appetite versus appreciation. Uh, What we take versus what we participate in. There's more to happiness than puppies and ice cream. 
COVID-19, of course, this whole pandemic has been weird, but it's been helping researchers actually figure out a whole lot of things about what happiness is. Uh, Pre-COVID-19, uh, these researchers were finding that a lot of people were finding their happiness, uh, chasing happiness by comparing themselves to others. They'd look online, they'd see their neighbors or friends going on vacations, driving a new car, having their life together, and then they'd feel very sad. They'd still pursue those things, but they wouldn't find the happiness that they were looking for in it. Well, what they've discovered through this whole pandemic is, guess what? No one had vacations. Uh, we all stayed home. We had to actually discover happiness in some more simple things, in things like a a family connection, uh, a good book, uh, a simple meal with those we love. And these were the things that, uh, the things that, that we lost in community are also the things that, uh, that we need in our lives to experience happiness. And so, so this morning we're going to be taking a look and kind of setting up this, this, this whole sermon series to take a look at the curious happiness of Jesus by saying there's a whole lot more to happiness than just having something uh, that you can consume and take. It's strange, I think, to talk about happiness in the church today, and that's kind of the church's fault, actually. Uh, there's been times in history where, uh, especially, there's been certain preachers who have just made following Jesus all about getting happy. If you can follow Jesus, you will get health, wealth, prosperity, all of those things. And if you don't get those things, then you might not follow Jesus. And so people turn to churches as, as places that they thought they could come to, as places that are just uh, happiness-doling places, that if we don't get what we uh, paid for out of it, then we can turn and walk away. Uh, and so happiness is a bit of a strong word for us to use in the church. And so we often use words like joy. Joy feels like it's something deeper than happiness. And that's kind of a way that we get get around talking about happiness and the pursuit of happiness in in our lives um but we're a little um if we but we're a little bit nervous i'm even a little nervous talking about happiness because if i want happiness what happens if i don't get it and the cynic inside of me says preston don't get your hopes up don't get your hopes up life is hard you really can't find happiness here and so we keep our distance from this emotion called happiness. And with it, we turn off a whole lot of other emotions and a whole lot of other feelings. Or we try to pursue happiness and our pursuit of happiness in places that actually hurt us and those around us. So the question is, can we be happy? Can you be happy? Can I be happy? Uh, well, God created us with this whole set of emotions that come from this range of chemicals that are inside of us. We were made, like God made the chemical concoction that results in happiness or joy or delight or awe. And these things are emerge in us. They're triggered in us when we experience safety or another tr is triggered when we experience sensuality. That's seeing something beautiful or belonging or when somebody gives us a hug or a cup of coffee or a kind word or we walk with a friend or we laugh at a joke or we ride a roller coaster. All of these things trigger in us this sense of happiness and it's genuine and it's good and it's something that we're supposed to i think experience as humans although sometimes we go a long time without experiencing those things so it's way more again than puppies and ice cream we're created with this complex journey and the road to full human thriving simply just does not come from what we consume to try to be happy it's rooted in who we are it's rooted in in who God says we are and what God is doing in us. So the Beatitudes, 
the whole point of this whole message is that we're going to explore what Jesus says about this curious happiness. And we're going to dive into these eight phrases from Jesus's sermon on the Mount. It's found in Matthew 5. Shorter version is in Matt, is Luke 6. And Beatitudes, Beatitude means blessed, fundamentally. And because this phrase starts for everyone, blessed are those who, blessed are those who, eight different times, then this whole blessed are those is turned into the word, the Beatitudes. That's 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 what it means. Um, and so we're going to read first and then take a closer look at what these Beatitudes are, these blessed are's. And uh, let's see what it says. And I, I think you'll find them surprising and actually maybe a little bit not... Uh, Listen, we'll 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 go through and explore it together because it's because because it, it's strange. But this is how Jesus opens his sermon. He says this: God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for Him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you're my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad, for great is your reward, or great is the reward that awaits you in heaven. What an interesting thing. What is what is happening here? Uh, these, God blesses you when you're poor, when you mourn, when you're meek, when you're humble, when you're, when you're hungry and thirsty for righteousness. What is happening here? Well, this is the journey that we're going to be going on together. So let's set a little bit of context here. I think there's something really important that Jesus says just before this. In Matthew 4, uh, Jesus begins to say to the people why he is around. He, he, he gives his, his kind of mission statement. He summarizes it in this. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. The word repent we sometimes don't like because, it, you know, you conjure this guy on the sidewalk saying, you're, you're doing bad, repent. Uh, but actually the word repent means think again or think anew or take a double take. Or pull a U-turn. <laughs> it's like me when I pass a McDonald's and uh, I love McDoubles. So I do a U- I see it and I do a double take. And I go, there's McDonald's and I do a U-turn. But then I do something else. As I'm driving to McDonald's, then I do another double take and go, that food's disgusting and it's going to make me feel bad. And so I do another double take. I think again and I go, I don't, I don't think I should go to McDonald's today. That is what repenting is. It's, it's, it's seeing something, taking a double take, and then making a decision about what that means. It's about changing the direction when we realize we've been given something better. Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is this better way and that those who follow him will pull a U-turn. They'll think again when they consider the better way of God. And thousands did. Thousands do. So the sermon kicks off the way Jesus is setting up his followers for the better way of God's kingdom and what being a citizen in God's kingdom looks and feels like. So this word, blessed are you, or God blesses. The word that is used here is makarios. It is a uh, Greek word and it's a really rich word. And each one starts with this, blessed are, makarios, 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 or makarioi. And uh, it starts with this word, and it's a strange word that we translate as blessed. 
for a long time, but there's actually some other ways of translating it. Just listen to some of these other ways that makarios is explained. Uh, it maybe means uh, blessed, but it also could mean fortunate. Or uh, one person said, you lucky bum. <laughs> You're a lucky bum if... Or, or uh, makarios can be like saying, God is saying, like, right on. Like, good on you. <laughs> or, yeah. Uh, or it could also be, it could also be right side up. Uh, you are right side up if you are this. Or it could say in sync. You're in sync with God when you are doing this. Or some say, congratulations, uh, this, this, and this. Or makarios can be, can even mean happy. <laughs> happy are you. So it's this, this curious word to explain what happens when you do a U-turn and you live in God's way. Uh, so it's this long journey of being turned right side up in the face of an upside down world while being synchronized with the really real stuff of God's loving right on. That's Makarios. Elizabeth Rundle Charles uh, wrote that Makarios uh, is like this. She said, it is a heart in harmony with itself, at rest, content, satisfied, full of all the music of which human hearts are capable, from the soft murmurs of tenants to the thunders of the many waters of ecstatic rapture. All that is involved in all the words expressive of human bliss, reaching up to the divine creative joy. That's Makarios. That's, that's some big language. It feels way more than just blessed. It's this whole enrapturing heart of, yeah, yes, this is what life is about. I found the core, the heartbeat, the central uh, goodness of what being human is about. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, Makarios. He's packing it all in here and saying, Makarios, right on. Yeah, this is the heartbeat that you discover when you turn in this way. So this word that Jesus uses, it is holds a lot of goodness. It gets to the core of the human longing. Curious happiness, it's, it's bigger than that even, I think. I should have called it something way, way bigger. The curious happiness of Jesus. So who are these Beatitudes for? Who are these, all these phrases that I listed off, these strange, blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed, uh, who are these for? Well, here's the genius of what this sermon series, I think, is going to explore over the next little while. Pastor Evan's going to be sharing. Uh, Rob Peterson's going to be coming in and speaking to it. Well, each beatitude of Jesus, guess what? It's, it's for everyone. They're written in such a paradoxical way that they play, actually, with our head and our heart to get us to wrestle with what the kingdom of God is about. It's no longer just a morality thing. It is uh, entering into. There's a deep wisdom to it. And so they reveal something so profound that we need to sit with each one in a very special way. And here's why. The Beatitudes, they're weird. They're weird. It isn't just go do this or go do this. It is a blessed are you when you are. As we'll see, Jesus is setting up these enigmatic phrases to speak to everyone. And to nudge us into this upside down, or I should almost say the right side up world of Jesus. The right side up life of Jesus. So... Our example this morning, the very first one that we're going to explore today is this. Blessed are the poor and who realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are the poor 
and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. What does this mean, blessed are the poor? Why would Jesus start with this? Well, remember, Jesus is calling his followers to make a U-turn into a thriving life with him. Jesus seems to show that it's not puppies and ice cream that make this Makarios life of happiness, blessedness, that comes from God's right on. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Or as the message says, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and his rule. So the word for poor here is being translated, actually the word means like destitute. <laughs> uh, blessed are the destitute in spirit. Or the beggarly poor, as Daryl Johnson translates it. You're living your right on when you come to God empty-handed and needy. This is how Jesus starts his sermon. You are blessed when you come to God empty-handed, destitute, in need. Then you get what God has. Daryl Johnson says this, The poor in spirit are those who know that they have nothing with which to get the kingdom of God. They have nothing to trade for it. You can't be wealthy enough for this. The poor in spirit are those who come totally at the mercy of the kingdom giver. Yours in the glorious kingdom of heaven. Isn't that a beautiful way of putting it? We come empty-handed to the kingdom giver. Those are the people that get the kingdom. So the Bible, I just want to put a caution here. The Bible never points to material poverty as the height of following Jesus or the best human condition. In fact, the Bible is often about God meeting people's material needs. We are humans. We need to eat. We need a place to live. Uh, I need a bed. Uh, I need a space where I can raise my family. God is in, is in the business of caring for our material needs. So that's not what I think Jesus is talking about here. God's not happy when you're poverty stricken or when somebody else in another place, your neighbor or somebody around the world is poverty stricken. So there's more going on. There's something in this message, blessed are the poor in spirit, for both the rich and the poor. This is the cool thing about what Jesus is doing here, is his message reaches, reaches everybody. So to the rich, I think it's a warning that if your hands are so full of stuff, so full of things that you're worried about, that you're managing, that you cannot receive and participate in the kingdom of God, if you're too preoccupied, busied and unable to see the gift that God might be doing around you, then you might need to pull a U-turn to drop some stuff, to take a second take and give something away or in order to get something better. <laughs> so this blessed are the poor in spirit is a call to the rich to maybe put something down so that they can take up what God has for them. It's a promise saying you'll be okay if you live generously and make room in your life for God's kingdom. Right on. Congratulations, you lucky bum. Happiness is yours if you do this as a rich person. But the message also is for the poor. It says to the poor, this message, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. It says to the poor, there is hope. There's a promise and there's comfort. If you have nothing and your hands are already empty, you, if you can't make it another day, well, guess what? There's good news. Uh, the kingdom of God is for you. God is here to fill your empty hands with the good news and the goodness of the kingdom of God. Right on. Congratulations. Lucky you. You, you. Happiness is for you because you have empty hands that can receive the kingdom of God. So notice the genius of what Jesus is doing here. Blessed are the poor in spirit. It is good news for the rich and it's good news for the poor. 
it is good news for everybody. I like to go on adventures with my girls on my day off and uh, we like to go hiking or I do take them to the ice cream store or we go to the playground. And guess what? When we go on our adventures, they have nothing with them. I'm sometimes just amazed by this. They'll jump on our bikes or go hiking and they have nothing in their pockets. They are even told to leave their toys at home. Say, no, don't bring that plastic thing. Don't bring your dolly. You just go yourself. And with a pair of shoes, pants and a t-shirt we can we can go all day why why can they do this why can they go with absolutely nothing in their hands because they have me they have mom and dad they have people who love them i have 20 dollars in my pocket i have a packed picnic lunch i have the keys to the car to drive us home i have a cell phone to show us the way i have everything that my daughters need Happy are my girls. Congratulations, lucky bums, to be a puto. To be part of my family. <laughs> the less that they carry their plastic toys, the less that they worry about what they're wearing, the less that they worry about what they have, the less that they fundamentally have, the more destitute they are to just actually... In my view, the more that they can go on an adventure with me. They aren't dragging along all their toys, but they're able to be nimble. And I see them running on ahead and I say, right on. You're having a good day, lucky ducks. Happy are the Puto girls when they go with nothing with their dad on a great adventure. Because guess what? Their adventure is better when they let go of some things and step in with me. And they then have nothing but a heart full of adventure with their dad, unencumbered by the busyness and worry, but a heart full of trust. So the curious happiness of Jesus is a lot like this. It's happy are the needy ones, the ones who learn to empty their pockets enough so that they could run and play and maybe work up a good appetite for what God's doing, so that they could see and climb the tree. They can swing on the monkey bars. All this is available to them because they are unencumbered. They have an appetite for God. Friends, I think Jesus is inviting us to this upside-down way of joining him in his kingdom and saying, drop something. Experience the poverty that results in you receiving more and receiving the better thing, receiving growth receiving the presence of God and receiving uh, a participation in the great adventure of God in this life that thrives. Friends, we aren't meant to be uh, encumbered with the stuff we carry. And if you have nothing in your hands, guess what the best gift is that you can give Jesus? It's empty hands. Jesus wants nothing more than for us to say in our poverty, I got nothing. I do not have anything. In fact, I probably come with a deficit to you, Jesus. And Jesus says, good, that's what I want. That's what I want in my kingdom. And guess what? The kingdom is yours. Friends, we are craving and saying, God, give us your kingdom. Let us be a part of your upside down, aka right side up world in this crazy, messy world. May we be people who can have open hands. So I'm going to end with this posture. We talk about this sometimes. Sometimes having a prayer posture. I'm going to end with this. I'm going to ask us if maybe we can... Uh, try this week to do this. Pray with your hands down and say, God, what am I holding on to that I think makes my life good, but really burdens me? 
What do I have that I'm clinging on to that is maybe replacing your presence in my life? And let that go. Give that to God. He loves taking things from you so that you can turn your hands upside down with a little bit more room and say, God, what are you going to give me instead? What is the better way? What is the thing that I can let go so that I can receive? I think Jesus today wants to fill our cup. wants to say, blessed are the poor in spirit because the kingdom of God is theirs. The kingdom of God is yours. We're citizens of this kingdom. May we be people who walk with our hands up, receiving the goodness that God has. You lucky bums. Happy are you. Right on. Congratulations. Good stuff. This is the way of the kingdom of God. This is the curious happiness of Jesus. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace as you go from here today. Blessed the carry us full of the goodness of